Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. Everybody, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. I promise we'll get to a little fantasy baseball in just a second. But Adam Ronas, some big news in the NBA yesterday. Magic Johnson says... Bye-bye, abracadabra, I'm out of there. And I think that caught everybody by surprise. Oh, I definitely did. It was an impromptu news conference, and you know he didn't even tell Jeannie Buss that this was going to occur. So obviously everyone's speculating on what's going on there, but it was definitely a surprise. There was about a 40-minute press conference right before the game and took everyone uh, by surprise yesterday. No one expected that on a night where – Dwayne Wade was a big story, his final home game in Miami, and he had a big game, and Dirk Nowitzki with a big game with a lot of his idols there, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, so, you know, and Jamal Crawford going back in the day. With a big game. 51 points, so obviously there was a lot of on-the-court stories last night, but Magic Johnson overshadowed it with that surprise press conference saying that he is stepping down. You know, I think that our heroes as players, don't always make the best guys in the front office. And I think if you want to be uh, great at what you do, you've got to be committed. And i, I got to be honest with you. I don't think Magic was invested. I think he, he's a Laker for life. He's a wonderful player. He's a Michigan State alum. He's a L.A. Laker. I get that. But you got to put your nose to the grindstone. You can't be in Hawaii when your team is flailing out there. I think he just was MIA a lot this year, and that was a problem. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski, who's very tied into the NBA, he's always breaking every story. He basically said that. He said since taking over as president of the Lakers, Magic Johnson never fully committed to the job. He was traveling and away from the team. His office hours were limited. He didn't do a lot of scouting. And obviously, especially with the Lakers, you know, it's easy when you're winning and you have all the pieces in place. You just sit back and watch, and it's it's all good. But this is a team, obviously, that needs a lot of work, and you have to be around, and apparently that wasn't the case. Uh, even the GM reportedly, Rob Polinka, would. This was reported. Don't know if it's true that he would go in there and say, "Oh, where's Magic today?" Knowing that he was gone to kind of let people know he wasn't around. So there definitely seems to be a lot of underlying issues here, and I'm sure more news is going to come out over the next couple of days with what's going on. Apparently, Magic wanted to fire Luke Walton throughout early the on season. in the season. Yeah, yeah early on, and, and uh, apparently, you know, those coaching staff was about uh, about to be gone today, and then last minute. Genie said, okay, you can do it. Um, but, you know, I'm sure, why would Magic want this job anyway? If he, He's got so much going on. He's got a lot of money. And uh, why, why deal with it if you really don't want to do it? So there's definitely some underlying issues here that are still kind of to be revealed. In defense of Luke Walton, okay, LeBron comes over. They sign Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, I, I, not one guy can put the ball in the hoop. They can't shoot. 
I mean, the, 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 Luke Walton was playing behind the eight ball all season long. I think this kid is a good young coach, but how do you coach talent? That there's I coach a lack of talent. This is clearly LeBron's team, and I think he was undermined from the beginning. If I'm Jeannie Buss, sadly, I think I get rid of Palenka. I get rid of. Luke Walton, and I think Luke Walton can go somewhere else and start over and be a good coach. I mean, look, you don't win that many games with the Warriors and suck. Yeah, I mean, there's a a lot of issues here, and it was not a well-constructed team. You know, they got a lot of players on one-year deals, so uh, it definitely is a, a very odd team and a lot of drama off the court this year for the Lakers. Yeah, and if you there was a great article on the Athletic that I was reading that you know a lot of this was LeBron's fault as well. LeBron, the minute LeBron got hurt when he hurt his groin, he checked out. The players stopped responding to him. I mean, he was coming to the court with a glass of red wine, and then there goes Magic. By the way, talking about tampering, basically telling about all the players are going to get. You can't tamper in the NBA, and I truly believe that New Orleans had no no intention of trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers. They did not want that to happen. Yeah, I, they had a lot of injuries. I think that was the big thing. You know, they were the four seed for a while, and I don't think it would have lasted just because a lot of the teams uh, got off to poor starts. Utah got off to a poor start. We know that they're a good team. So I don't think it would have lasted, but, you know, they had a lot of injuries. Ball went down. Ingram went down. Kuzma went down. LeBron went down. And, you know, once LeBron went down, that's when they started to fall. So it was a combination of a poorly constructed roster, injuries, and then, of course, the the drama just built up, the whole Anthony Davis situation. It was just a... A nightmare season for the Lakers. You know, Adam, I was thinking about this. The, the New York and L.A., two of your top five NBA cities, are, are just messes right now. I mean, I know the Lakers still have LeBron, right? The Knicks maybe are, may get Zion, but I still think both these franchises are in complete disarray, whereas Milwaukee's thriving. And it doesn't matter. I really don't think it matters at all. I, I think the NBA is in a really good position right now. I mean, last night was a night where, again, it was the second to last day of the regular season. A lot of the races have been determined. Yes, there's still one playoff spot up for grabs in the Eastern Conference with Detroit and Charlotte. That All the eight spots in the West were clinched. And what did you see last night? I mean, great night in the NBA. Paul George with a game-winning shot, which could have big implications. I mean, Houston could be anywhere from the two or the four seed, depending on what happens tonight. If Denver wins, they lock up the two. If Portland wins... They move ahead of Houston, uh, whose season is, it ended yesterday. Although Portland, I have seen, is already sitting Damian Lillard uh, and I think uh, C.J. McCollum. So I don't know. Now, what seed will the, will the Thunder be? What seed will the Thunder be? Uh, it's, they are pretty much, if they win tonight, they are locked into the six. So I don't want to be the third seed then. I, 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 want, to, I want Houston to be the third seed if I'm Portland. I don't want to play the Thunder in round one. Uh, that's well, I mean, they would still have to play Utah, which I don't think is going to be easy either, but uh, they would get the home court there. So maybe that's the way they're looking at it is they do want to avoid the thunder. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a great night in the NBA last night with Dwayne Wade. And uh, I hope you saw that commercial. I did. Commercial. I saw the commercial. You know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm, I don't like Dwayne Wade, the player. I got to be honest with you. Not that he's not a great player. I just always thought he was a little dirty, Ronas. thought he was a little dirty player. He was a little sketchy to me. And maybe that's just because I like the Knicks. But he's always somebody did a little push, a little so shove, a little kick. But as a person, I, I thought that it was a fantastic commercial. And I, I really felt for the guy. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Wade. I liked him coming out of Marquette and 
uh, you know, obviously he had a great career and it was good to see him get that moment last night. He is going to play tonight. I don't know how many minutes the Heat are in Brooklyn to take on the Nets and the Heat have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. But, you know, it was just a, a really good night in the NBA last night where there's kind of been a little anticlimactic uh, end of the season here. A lot of guys resting, but, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, it was good to see him. And on that note, we all knew he was going to retire, but he didn't make it official till uh, the game uh, at the end, uh, spoke to the crowd. And uh, it was just a, a real good night in the NBA. Uh, and I think the playoffs are going to be excited. I know everyone's like, oh, Golden State's going to win. They should, but I think they can be knocked off potentially by a team in the East. I think the Eastern Conference semifinals are going to be great. The first round, probably not so much. Uh, again, I've always kind of supported Brooklyn this year. I think they are a fun team to watch. I really love what they're doing there, but I think it's going to be difficult for them to beat, uh, whether they play the Sixers or the Raptors. It's probably going to be difficult. So looking forward to the semifinals in the East, and I think we're going to get some good Western Conference first-round games. I mean, potentially the Rockets and Thunder. You saw it last night, and that went down to the wire. Jazz Portland's going to be a good one. Uh, and maybe even Denver, San Antonio, if that's the matchup. Uh, but I, I think we're going to get some good NBA playoff basketball in the upcoming weeks. If you were to bet on the prop bet tonight, who does Wade switch jerseys with in Brooklyn tonight? D'Angelo? Yeah, I mean, he's the best player on that team. Right? Yeah. I think he switches that with D'Angelo Russell at the end of the night. That would be my guess, there. yeah. Yeah. But I'm with you. I think I think the playoffs, I would really like to see Milwaukee go far. I would. I'd like to see Giannis. I don't know how many more seasons the Bucks will have of of making a run like this. And the same thing with Toronto. I'd like to see one of those two teams make the NBA finals. You know, those are cities that Growing up, they were never – I mean, Milwaukee was a great basketball city in the 60s, and they were a great basketball team in the 70s, but they could never make it to the finals. Even with Sidney Moncrief and Marcus Johnson, they always lost to the Sixers. They always lost to the Celtics. I'd like to see the Bucks get there. I'd like to see Toronto get there. I don't think Kawhi is going to be back. So this may be their last chance in a long time. Yeah, I, I'm still not sure. Uh, I keep wrestling back and forth who I think is going to come out of the East. I think it's really difficult. I mean, I do like Milwaukee. I think they're an all-around good team and in a big spot. You know, Giannis could take over the game. At the same time, you know, Kawhi Leonard is very well rested. He sat out a lot this year, so he is going to be fresh for the playoffs. He has the postseason experience. He could take over a game. You know, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam. I mean, this is a, a pretty good squad here as well, and you know, we can't rule out the Sixers, you know, uh, with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. Obviously, those guys are kind of sad, especially Embiid a lot here uh, down the stretch. And that's why they're the third seed. But uh, I think the semifinals in the Eastern Conference are going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I give the Toronto Raptors a lot of credit. They babied Kawhi without making him look like a baby. Right when no, he didn't want to, I disagree. They made him look soft. I think this was a really? disgrace this year with Kawhi really? Leonard. Like I think disgrace. they just, but they didn't want to start anything with him. They wanted him. They knew they needed him, and they didn't pressure him to play. That's what I, my point was. That they just let him be, which was a little annoying. But when he played, he was sensational, and now he's ready to make a run. Hopefully, he's interested in making a run because this guy's got way too much power, and he's become very annoying to me. Yeah, I think it's a disgrace with the lack of games he's played this year, you know, and that's one of the criticisms of the NBA is all these guys sitting. And, you know, James Harden gets criticized a lot because of the playoffs and obviously maybe putting pedal to the metal every game every year obviously takes a toll in the playoffs. 
But you know what? This guy goes out there and plays hard every night. I don't think you can knock Harden at all when you got Embiid sitting. I mean, Kawhi Leonard played 60 games this year. I mean, come on, man. That's just disgusting. They're, what do you think the old guys like Bird and McHale and Barkley think of that? I mean, they would never have done that. Oh, they, they hate it. There's no question about it. And look, I understand late in the year, but Kawhi Leonard was sitting throughout the entire season. This was December, January, all oh, not playing back-to-backs. Oh, he's not playing tonight. Now, it might pay off in the long run for Toronto in the playoffs, but this is not a precedent you want to set here. And Embiid was another guy that sat a lot. There was just way too many guys that sat consistently. Obviously, Anthony Davis was just a unique situation, but... Uh, and I didn't own Kawhi Leonard in fantasy this year, and I'm sure the people who did, it was really frustrating for them, especially in a head-to-head league where, you know, when he was on the court, you know, he put up, you know, tremendous numbers, but the fact that he sat as much as he did, I think it was embarrassing. I just don't know how to fix the problem. I don't know how, I don't know what Adam Silver can do. Oh, if you're not playing, uh, how, how are you going to argue? Well, uh, he's got a, a cuticle, he, he's got a sniffle. H- how, do you, how do you fix this? You, you can't dock guys $10,000 a game they miss when maybe they can get a team doctor to say he's fine or not fine. Yeah, it, it is a, a tough spot uh, for sure. Uh, we've seen in the past where pop would sit a lot of guys on national television and they didn't like that but you know it's just respect to the guys like russell westbrook and james harden who go out there and you know everyone loves to kill westbrook uh but paul george said something interesting you know after the game they interviewed him and you know westbrook had another triple double and he said i don't think people give this guy enough respect he plays hard every night and that's the reason why i came back here this is a guy that goes out there and gives us all every possession on the court and that's why i came back there so I know a lot of people were surprised by that. They expect, everyone expected Paul George to go to the Lakers. He decided to stay, and, you know, they probably won't win a championship, but uh, they were uh, an impressive team this year. They were the two, three seed for a while, and they kind of cooled off. But, uh, you know, you got to give respect to the guys that go out there and put it on the line every night. And, you know, if James Harden doesn't win a championship again, you're going to hear the criticism. But this guy goes out and plays hard every night. He does not want to sit. No, I, I agree. I give him a lot of credit. If, I'm, if I am a team, if I'm the Knicks, I'm just using the Knicks as an example because they have a max contract available. How do you even buy into Kawhi? Kawhi's going to have to tell me that he's going to play 75 games or more before I'm investing that kind of money in him because there's no way I'm, tr- I'm paying this guy you know, $190 million to play 60 games. I'm just not going to do it, Adam. Yeah, and I don't know if it, I, I don't know his reasoning behind it. I don't know if it was because he wanted to preserve his body. Did he want? I I don't know because this is not going to fly in another organization. Uh, I don't see how you're a team that's going to spend a ton of money and you're going to let Kawhi sit. I think it's probably just this year. Uh, I I don't know because but he's really sat two years. He's really sat. Well, he was. Well, last year was. I mean, I think he was legitimately hurt, and then who knows what happened with San Antonio. So that was a situation where it just. It's hard to know with Kawhi Leonard because he's a guy that really doesn't talk much, and you won't really get deep into his head. So we really well, don't know what's going on. Hopefully, with him. he doesn't laugh too much because that was a creepy laugh, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, and it, the, it's a shame because the guy is a tremendous player on the court, true. and you want to see him. But I feel like between Le'Veon Bell and Kawhi Leonard, I think the players have realized the only way they can gain an advantage is by sitting out. This is their only advantage that they could punish the owners or, or bad contracts by not playing. And I think that it has to be fixed. I don't know on what collective bargaining agreement it has to happen. But, I mean, that Le'Veon Bell didn't play all year because he didn't like his contract. It's got to be fixed. 
I don't really blame Le'Veon Bell though. And I don't blame not, him either. But it's but it's not something we it see in football a lot though. We when have we ever seen that? That's why I think you, thought, I think you might you might see it's, you saw it with Kawhi. You see it with Davis. Well, you see it in the NBA all the time. You don't see it in NFL. That's like the first time we've seen it. I think we all thought Emmett Smith and Emmett Smith two, not, two, two games, and that was like 10, 15, It was fifteen years ago. It was two games he set out. But That's do you why think everyone more thought people Bell was will come back? Do you think more people will do it now that Bell did it? How many running backs have that clout, though, right now? I mean, Gurley already signed, so I don't think you'll see it a lot. I, did, I, I just don't. Like, Bell is a unique circumstance where he put up tremendous numbers and he never got paid by the Steelers. They never no, paid him. Look, he, deser- he deserves every dollar he got by the Jets. I'm just saying I wonder whether players will resort to this to get what they want. I think you have to be a superstar. Right. Otherwise, we- it's not going to work. Will you resort to this to get what you want out of him? I might. Stay tuned. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Stay tuned for Jeff Bergerson. We're going to be talking Masters DFS. Somebody's going to win a million. Maybe it'll be you right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631-800-961-3631-800-961-3631-800-961-3631. The morning after. FanDuel have Stanley Cup final matchups. So, like, if you think, let's say, the Calgary Flames are going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the finals, plus 590. The San Jose Sharks and the Tampa Bay Lightning, plus 1350. The Sharks aren't making it today. I do believe that this is a legitimate chance that this could happen. Would be the Nashville Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup finals. That's plus 1150. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. We're South Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here. And it's my favorite time of the week. Somebody's going to win a million dollars this week playing the Masters PGA DFS. And maybe it'll be you. Or maybe it'll be my next guest, Jeff Burgesson from Fantasy Golf Insider. Jeff, are you going to be a millionaire this weekend? No, I'm trying really hard, Doc. It would be a, would be a good week. This is, this is such a great week. The Masters is the, the pinnacle of the golf season. And... Uh, that would tip it off as a million bucks. It really would. So let's figure out how we can help people. But before we do that, Jeff, I got to be honest with you. I'm not playing many entries in the Millionaire Maker this year. And I'm going to tell you why. 
150 entries, $20 a shot, and then I think it's very, very top heavy, right? You got those first three places, and then all of a sudden I could do a 20 max entry tournament and make the same $50,000. Do you think that DraftKings is too top heavy with their tournament? Well, you know, everyone wants the big million-dollar prize, and I think they could have made it bigger um, and just kept it at a million and then made those the next 10 places much better because second place is 150000 and although that would be good money, it would be the worst 150000 you ever won um, because you'd be so close to a million dollars. So to me, that's a little top-heavy, but I'm guilty of chasing a million bucks because it's a million bucks, so... Um, that's what's going to get the attention. That's what's going to get every all the people who normally don't do DFS golf into it to try and get their shot at it. Now, if I do win the million, do you know a good CPA that I could use to help me invest? <laughs> I, I might just have some advice for you. Okay, pretty good. Appreciate that. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about lineup construction here. I know that we can get some so, some it's soft pricing, but I do think it's hard to find a really good team that I love with Rory and Johnson. I think they are a little expensive. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, it, to stack both of them on the same team would be pretty difficult because that's going to leave you with probably like 67, 6,800 uh, uh, to fill out an average uh, for the rest of your team. So I wouldn't do that. I, I have no problem going with one of them and then a guy in the 9K range or a couple guys in the 8K range and then filling it out. Uh, but the, the top two would, would probably deplete your roster too much. Do you remember last year's winning roster? What what was that? What did that guy do? Did he have uh, like you're describing one guy in the eleven thousand and nine? Do you do you know what the winning one was last year? I do, uh, and it was a very chalky roster, and one that you would have looked at and said, "Oh, I'll bet he split it about hundred and fifty different ways," um, because the aggregate ownership. So when you add up all ownership of all six guys, was like in the eighties which is pretty high for someone to win it by themselves in an event with 200-some entries. Uh, the lineup itself had uh, Jordan Spieth at 10,400, uh, Ricky at 9,700, uh, Bubba at 8,700, Reed, Henley, and Hoffman all in the 7K range. So it's kind of what we just said, you know, one higher-priced guy, one guy in the 9, and then uh, one guy in the 8, and then the rest. It's interesting. So... Do you look at that set, the winning lineup, and try to model yours this year after that? Um, somewhat, I guess. I mean, on our lineup generator, we can put in aggregate ownership. So it's only going to build rosters with those constraints because we've talked about it a lot before. You don't want to be too contrarian, and you don't need to be, but you also don't want to be ultra chalky either. So if you put in constraints, I like to shoot between 70 and 90% of aggregate ownership. That's when you add up the ownership or projected ownership from everyone on your roster, you're in that range, and that's what would have won the Millionaire Maker last year. All right, so let's talk about some of the players. Let's begin with Rory McIlroy. I mean, he's played a lot better this year. Is he a good enough putter to win at Augusta? Yes. Yeah, he could Yeah, he could win this week. And I kind of pegged him to win from the start of the year before I knew he was going to go on such an influential run this season. He's just rededicated and refocused his game. He's kind of been, you know, checked out the last few years, just getting by on massive talent. This year he seems driven, and he for sure wants to win this event because this would complete the career grand slam for him. He's been really close the last five years with top tens, playing really well. I, I have to own him. Um, you're going to have to own probably 40 45% to get anywhere near 
double the field as far as exposure goes. All right. What about Dustin Johnson? Is there a reason why he hasn't won here before, and can he win this week? Oh yeah, he can win anywhere, any week. Um, he, you know, it's crazy. It seems like he's not playing real well, but he has four straight top tens on tour. He just kind of drifts along and racks up a top ten. So if he puts four four good rounds together, yeah, he could run away with this. Um, I have exposure, a little bit of exposure to him, uh, but I have more on Rory. And then I have some on Justin Rose right below Dustin Johnson as well. He's, uh, he might be kind of a, a under or overlooked guy this week and under-owned, uh, but he's had great success here at Augusta. I'm glad you said that because I'm very in on Justin Rose this week. All right, let's look at the next three big guys here. Tiger, Justin Thomas, John Rahm. I'm worried about Justin Thomas's wrist, or should I not be worried about his wrist? I kind of am, too. I don't have any Justin Thomas exposure. I'm a little worried about it, especially when you factor in he hasn't looked real good the last couple of times out. Maybe there is an, you know, an injury there that he's not talking about very much. He hasn't had great success here in the past. It's been okay, but not up to his standards. So I don't own him. Um, John Rahm, I don't have exposure to either because I'm high on Ricky Fowler at 9,700 mostly. All right, just getting back to Rom. Do we just not like Rom, or we just like other guys more? I like other guys more. Um, I, it's not that I dislike him. Any one of these guys in the top range could could win it this week. Um, we're trying to narrow it down though, so we don't own all of them because that's just spreading ourselves too thin. So he certainly could. He took fourth here last year. I just am going more toward Ricky and then bumping up to Justin Rose at at ten thousand and not having. I don't own any Tiger either. Generally, if you're playing in the Millionaire Maker, you get a lot of amateurs or novices just playing, and then you're, it's going to boost up Tiger's ownership quite a bit. Um, so I'm just going to choose to fade him this week, too. I was watching something earlier where Tiger was able to overpower the old Augusta National, and now they've redesigned the course. I don't know whether he can do that anymore, Jeff. Yeah, I don't think he can overpower it, but his around-the-green game has been really good this year, and that's, that's what I'm putting a lot of emphasis on this week. The, the sand saves, the, the scrambling, the putting, um, I think that's where I, that's the part of his game that I really like coming into Augusta. It's just that I think his price is high, he's going to be owned by quite a bit, so I'm choosing to pivot off of him. All right, let me talk about Bryson DeChambeau here for a second. Normally, if the guy wins Dubai, the guy can win the Masters. Didn't DeChambeau win Dubai? Does that mean he's going to win the Masters this week? You know, I, I wish I knew. He has not been playing well lately. His irons have not been good. I do have exposure, though, because I think he's going to be overlooked uh, in between Fleetwood and Ricky and, and then the top guys. So I think his ownership's probably going to be around 10%. And he's super talented that if he can put his um, game, all parts of his game together, I think he can do well this week. So I do have exposure to him. All right, we're talking to Jeff Burgesson from FantasyGolfInsider.com. If you want to prepare for the Masters PGA DFS, go there and check out the site. It's fantastic. All right, Tommy Fleetwood is one of my favorite golfers, Jeff. He's never had a lot of success here. Do you think that'll change this weekend? It could. He's been playing really well. He's been lights out, tee to green. He's going to be popular at 9,200, though. Um, I'm going to play with fire and fade him. Uh, it sounds a little bit crazy because everything kind of lines up for him uh, coming into the week. Um, I'm just going to pivot off of him, and, and hopefully for myself, he doesn't do well. 
Um, but I, I, it's not that I just don't like him because I think he's been playing excellent lately. All right, let's talk about Jordan Spieth. When I think of the Masters, I think of Augusta. I mean, Jordan Spieth has dominated this course, but he has been atrocious for the better part of, like, the last 18 months. Can he fix it this week? That's the million-dollar question this week. It is, it's kind of uh, an argument between course history and current form because he has been terrible. He's always good at Augusta, but there's been a good – five or six events at courses that he's been outstanding at every year over the past year and a half, and he hasn't done well. So I wouldn't be shocked if he just continues his poor play, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he finds something at Augusta too, because he has had such good success here. Uh, I'm going to own a little bit of speed this week myself, just in case we see old speed, but if he doesn't perform well here, I think we just stay off of him in the future until we see something in his game because this is like the final stand for him. All right, Spieth's final stand. I think I've seen that uh, movie somewhere. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Molinari. Molinari has been absolutely on fire. Can he, can he conquer Augusta? I kind of like him, and I've heard some people in the industry say they don't like him this week. He hasn't been outstanding here at any, in any year, but he's just a different player right now. Uh, he's great with his long irons, and he's been really good around the greens and putting. So that's why I like him this week. Um, I do have quite a bit of exposure to him and Hideki Matsuyama in this range. All right, let's talk about a couple of guys. Uh, Patrick Reed and Louis Oosthuizen. Oosthuizen playing pretty well recently, and Reed, of course, winning last year. Uh, can either of these guys have a good tournament? Um, Reed has not been playing well lately. His form is brutal coming in, but I've always liked his game for Augusta. He's a, a great scrambler. He can have those par saves that are so important here. He can be a good putter. Now, he hadn't been good at Augusta until last year, and I was really high on him for the event just because no one liked him, and he was underpriced using that 7K range, but I felt like his game kind of set up well for it. So, um, I have, I don't have much exposure to him this year. I just don't like his form coming in last year was much better. Um, Ustazen, yes, he's been playing very well. Um, I have a little bit of exposure to him. He hasn't put up a, a big finish here in, uh, probably seven or eight years now. Um, but I think he's fine. All right. I'm going to give you three guys that are confusing to me. One is Henrik Stenson who I know a lot of experts behind this week. Patrick Cantlay, who I think is a good player, who I'm not hearing anything about, and that makes me nervous. And Sergio Garcia, who can get, get an eagle or he can get you know a 10 on a hole. Where are we with those <laughs> <Right>. three guys? <laughs> if Sergio cannot find the water five consecutive times, he'll be fine. Um, I like him simply because his price is so cheap. I think he should be in the at least low 8K range, maybe mid 8K range, but he's at 7,700 this week. Outside of a couple of blow-ups that he's had this year, he's been really good. So I like him. Um, I don't have much Cantlay because his short game sucks. Um, does that mean he can't play well? No, because his irons can be really good. I just, I'm going elsewhere because his short game is so brutal. And Stenson, I don't have either. Uh, he hadn't been good at Augusta until last year in a, in a very long time. Um, I can be okay uh, steering clear of him because I like Ian Poulter's game a little bit better than Stenson, and he's at the same price. All right, what about Cam Smith and Matthew Fitzpatrick? Uh, two guys who I really like, but they always seem to disappoint me, Jeff. 
Yeah, I mean, you could take a flyer on either one of these guys. You wouldn't have to own a lot to be, you know, double the field. If you own 10%, you're going to be overweight on both of them. I wouldn't go more than that because uh, they're kind of wild cards. I like other options down in this range. All right, give me those other options you like down in this range. I like Brant Snedeker at 7,200. His game seems to be rounding into form. He is an outstanding around-the-green player, uh, magnificent putter. He's had success here at Augusta. I was just looking at the weather reports. Looks like we could have some wind. He's proven that he's a solid wind player, uh, and, I, and I like the price at 7,200. Um, Charles Howell third at 7,000 I think is a heck of a bargain. Now, he was actually born in Augusta, um, he hasn't played here in a while because he hasn't qualified, but I think his game sets up pretty well. He's just a better player the last year or two. Um, so I kind of like him this week as well for cash games and GPP. What about, uh, I'll give you two guys that I like, uh, Wallace and Brandon Grace. Grace always shows up in the big tournaments, and Wallace has been on fire this year. Any interest in either? Yeah, I like Wallace a little bit more. I was looking at him closely as well. Um, I do have exposure to him. He's been playing really well, and he, I think he's going to be under the radar because a lot of, of his action has been on the European Tour. Um, so I, I kind of like him this week as a, as a kind of a sleeper. Let's go below 7,000. We've got guys like Keith Mitchell. We've got J.B. Holmes, the most frustrating guy on the planet. We've got Hoffman, who's a course horse here. We've got Kisner, Siwoo, Jimmy Walker. Any guys under 7,000 that you have interest in? Um, yeah, I kind of cut it off at <clears throat> about 6,600, I would say. I wouldn't go much. I wouldn't go any lower than that. I have a little Emiliano Grillo exposure uh, I have some Siwoo Kim, whose irons have been just dialed in uh, this season. Kevin Kisner is going to be kind of chalky, as is Charlie Hoffman. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, you know, typically does really well in Augusta. And then he went and put up a runner-up finish last week just to add ownership. He probably doubled his, his ownership just from that performance last week. So if you're going to own him or Kisner, you're going to have to own, you know, 25 to 30% to be overweight on the field, which kind of scares me. Um, so I, I'm going to own a little of Kisner. Uh, he's a, he's a Georgia guy, uh, plays a lot in the South. So, and he's just been having a really good season coming off his, his win at the WGC. All right. So is there anybody now I, I was thinking about this, maybe I'm crazy. Do I look at a Bernard Longer or a uh, Imahira or a couples, maybe just take a flyer and a real super cheap guy to be able to get a, a more expensive guy in? You know, I, I am not going to do that, Doc. Uh, not, not to say that they couldn't finish top 30, but I'm shooting for more. To, for the Millionaire America, you're going to need at least six guys in the top 15, maybe in the top 10. And I just really doubt that they have what it takes to put four good rounds together at Augusta. It's a grueling course for walking. Uh, it's very difficult. These guys are older guys. So even if they did have a good round or two, it's going to be real tough for them to maintain it, which is why I'm steering clear of any of the real older guys. All right. So I guess I shouldn't play this course either, Jeff. I'm getting old. Well, <laughs> you're a young buck, Doc. Oh, yeah, I wish. Okay, so let's talk about the guys who are going to win this. Give me two or three guys who can win this that you're going to be in with this week. Well, I have some outrights. I have uh, Rory. Uh, I actually put it on him at the start of the year, so I got much better odds than are available right now. Uh, you're not going to get much right now. I have um, some Ricky Fowler tickets. Um, I have a Matt Kuchar ticket. 
I have a Charles Howell ticket. I was going to ask you about Cooch. Am I crazy to fade him? Um, no, I don't be owned think by thirty-five percent of people. <clears throat> I don't think he'll be that owned, but he will be pretty heavily owned. I'm guessing twenty-five percent, maybe thirty, in some contests. Um, he's probably not going to burn you that bad by putting up a top five finish. He's just very consistently, you know, a top ten, top fifteen type player. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I personally am owning him just because at seventy-nine hundred, it gives you other options. So if he does put up a you know a T ten or something, uh, that's going to be plenty good for his price. Can you talk me off Tony Fee now, please? Um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm the Tony Fino backer. Uh, this is a great course for him. His play lately has been very upsetting. Actually, all season that he's underachieved. He did not look good at Valero. Um, <clears throat> I, I would be okay not rostering him, uh, especially if it gets windy. Uh, then okay. I could I could I could pivot off of him. All right, Jeff. I wish you luck this weekend, my friend. I hope you win a million. Huh, same to you, Doc. All right, talk soon. All right, that's Jeff Bergerson, FantasyGolfInsider.com. Check it out. Maybe if you'll you've win a- heard of WeatherTech floor liners. You probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally... I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Game time decisions. I, you know, I didn't realize how good are Calgary, Jimmy. Are these guys, I mean, are they really the, the best team in the West and, and all this? And, and really, another thing I believe in, and I'm not just saying this, like Russian goalies don't win. It's like Brazilian MMA fighters choking big fights. Russian goalies uh, suck. And Canadian teams don't win the Stanley Cup. You can almost uh, just get rich betting against Canadian teams in the playoffs because one by one, they bite the dust. <laughs> Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. I'm Dr. Roto here with Adam Ronas, and I'm trying to help Ronas construct a, uh, a winning team here. 
but uh, for, for the Masters DFS. But uh, with Major League Baseball season in full swing, it's time to swing for the fences playing daily fantasy baseball with DailyRoto.com. Become the eighth Daily Roto fan duel at DraftKings. One million dollar tournament winner. Become one of the countless number of people who've won a gaudy pile of Benjamins using Daily Roto's lineup optimizers. If you're playing MLB DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're just doing it wrong. Enter promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount and you'll get lineup alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates, fantasy projections, the use of lineup optimizers have produced millions in dfs winnings that's the 2019 mlb daily rodeo premium package at dailyrodeo.com use promo code fntsy and get your 10 percent discount today all right well how much is a uh, wallace aronis wallace is 24 dollars, so i have 33 dollars left and all right, who's at that sergio garcia patrick Who? cantley kevin kisner spieth adam scott cameron smith rafa cabrera bello Ian where's Poulter. fee now where's fee now Fee now is, uh, let's see, he is at 37. All right, so go Sergio. So what's that team with Sergio? It was Paul Casey, Hideki Matsuyama, Ricky Fowler, Charles Howell III, Matt Wallace, and Sergio Garcia. That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. I mean, I really would like have Rory or Rose, but then I'm going to have to drop somebody. So I'm, right, if well, I can we'll leave that yeah. in there for now then. <laughs> okay. How many atoms are there? Is that There's Adam none, Scott? man. This algorithm. Adam man. Scott. That's killing you. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look at uh, the uh, night in DFS, Ronis. It was a bad night for me in DFS, Adam. De- DeGrom uh, poo pooed oh on my, my, on my head. Yeah. I used DeGrom in one of my lineups uh, with Mike Miner, who was going to get the win, but Jose Leclerc blew it. So uh, Miner was a pretty good cheap pitcher. But yeah, DeGrom just did not have it. And I knew early on. And I was like, man, just kind of get through this second inning because the pitch count was elevating, and he just didn't have it. And, you know, it was one of those nights. Uh, it snapped his streak of quality starts. He had allowed three earned runs or fewer. And, you know, I think what we're seeing right now is the ball is definitely juiced. I mean, that was a cool night at City Field, and there was a 1,000 home runs hit. A thousand. I mean, Mitch Garver, the ball's still flying. I mean, it, it was crazy. And I'll tell you, though, you know I always do a contrarian lineup where I go against, you know, the top pitcher of the night. I didn't even think about doing that here because DeGrom's been so good. Yeah, I, I can't blame anyone for not doing it. Why, why would you pick on DeGrom? And we knew at some point this would happen. And not, not totally surprised it was the Twins, but then again, they're on the road. Nelson Cruz is not in the lineup. Uh, so it was a little surprising, you know, Eddie Rosario had a good at bat against him in the first inning was fortunate. The ball didn't go out. And then of course, Rosario wound up hitting a home run later. It just was a night where DeGrom didn't have it. And, uh, you don't expect to see that, but we've seen pretty much every ace pitcher really have a bad start to the season. I mean, is there anyone who has been flawless so far? I don't think so. Scherzer had a shaky start. DeGrom has. Sale obviously has been up and down. Blake Snell's first start was bad. Trevor Bauer has not had a bad start today, but he's not sharp. He's losing 2-0. Uh, pretty much every ace has had a, a bad start so far in the first couple weeks of the season. Now, I know you said Miner was good. I told you that I thought that uh, the Rangers were a good stack last night. You know, so I think this is a weird year. So let's take a look at tonight's games. Oakland at Baltimore. Oakland, I mean, this is their heavy favorite. Dan Straley is a gas can. But something tells me maybe I should be uh, going contrarian here with the uh, the Orioles. Mm, I 
Don't think so. Uh, I mean, I like Montas. Uh, he was okay his last time out. I didn't use him because it was against the Astros. But he's been using that splitter. Uh, I think he's in a good spot. I know it's a tough park, but it's not a good offense in Baltimore. I mean, who are you stacking? I mean, I love VR. He's one of my favorite but you know, players. How about year, a but... VR, Mancini? Isn't Chris Davis like $500 on FanDuel? Yeah, they're begging you to take him. I think he's a dollar. <laughs> he's a dollar on Yahoo. I might take him at five hundred bucks, Ronas. I might. How? Cra- Look, could Montes throw a ball and Davis actually hit it? Is it possible? Haven't we been saying that for his last forty nine at bats? Look at five hundred dollars, dude. It's like it's like giving me a free spot. Might be able to do it. I'm just throwing I it out guess. there. <laughs> people, people, what if it works? People, people are going to be doing this now for the next several days if that price continues and you know one day we'll we'll either all be idiots or one day one of us will be your rich friend right uh it's really bad for him right now and it's got to be in his head so uh look i mean we i don't recall ever seeing someone at 500 so i've seen somebody was it like a hundred or a dollar was it but it was a misprint i think it was you know they they screwed for someone who didn't even play right yeah i don't it was something right we all put him in at like zero it was like a dollar or something like that we all put him in Look, I guess in baseball, it makes sense because if you get a zero, it doesn't kill you. I mean, right. obviously, if you're trying to take down a GPP, you kind of need to hit everywhere. But you could still finish in the money, and it's essentially a free spot. And if he somehow makes contact, contact. and it's a home run. <laughs> you I'm know, your rich friend. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I'm interested to see what his ownership will be. All right, I'll let you know. I'll play him in one late tonight. All right, Nationals against the uh, Phillies. Hellickson against Pavetta. Do I stack Phillies tonight, Ronas? I think you can just because they're home. It's a high over-under. Hellickson's not a bad pitcher, but he's not great. I mean, he was actually pretty solid last year, but I don't think you fear him. He's a guy that doesn't throw that hard, and obviously the Phillies lineup is stacked. So, yeah, I think you could stack Phillies tonight if you want. All right, Twins, Mets. Do I stack Mets against Jake Overeasy? Nemo, Alonzo, Conforto, Ramos? I might like that. Yeah, I think you can, too. I mean, Conforto's on fire right now. Uh, another home run yesterday, uh, and he crushes right-handed pitching. And we saw Odorizzi just really struggle last time out. Nemo finally got going. He was uh, he struck out his first at-bat, and he's cheap. He's 34 in DK, 26 on FanDuel. So, yeah, I think you can. And obviously, Alonso is just on fire right now. Two more home runs yesterday. And uh, good thing the Mets kept him at the majors. What about Robbie Cano? You know, I know that Alonso's hot. I know Conforto's hot. But, you know, I always go with game theory. Everybody's playing those two guys, Ronas. Do I play Cano? You can. I mean, he hasn't really looked great lately. But, you know, he's a veteran that can get going at any time. And uh, if there's any matchup where he could thrive, it could be this one against Odorizzi. I'm just throwing it out there, Ronis. I might, I might do that. I might live life dangerously tonight. All right, Yankees against the Astros. Jane Paxson against Colin McHugh. I like both these pitchers, but I don't like them against each other. Yeah, I mean, you don't like to pick on either of these offenses. I know they, they didn't put up a ton of runs yesterday, but uh, even with the Yankees lineup not as full strength as it usually has been, it's still not a team that you really want to pick on. So, for yeah, for DFS purposes... Uh, I'm probably going to stay away from both pitchers. I feel the same way about the Dodgers against uh, the Cardinals here. Kenta Maeda against Jack Flaherty. Two pitchers I like. So if I look at two pitchers I like and I don't think they're going to let up more than three or four runs, I usually fade. 
the pitchers or the the, t- the, the batters, the batters. Okay, yeah, I, I I think Maeda can be used tonight if you want. I mean, Flaherty has not gotten off to the greatest start, and the Dodgers just hitting so well. But uh, you know, Maeda is someone that that I do like, and the Cardinals' offense can be tough at times. But I think you can use him in tournaments. All right, Pittsburgh against the Cubs. Jordan Lyles against you, Darvish. Would you trust Darvish tonight, or would you stack uh, Cubs, or would you stack Pirates? What would you do here? I don't think you can trust Darvish right now until we see him actually find the strike zone. He's just looked awful through two starts, so there's no way you can trust Darvish at this point. If he goes out there and has a great game, fine. The over-under is 7.5. Is there weather? It looks cold, yeah. It, it is. Like, it's like 42 degrees. But, I mean, is this a game where you can get six innings out of Darvish? Uh, I don't think so at this point. I mean, he's all, he's a tough guy to figure because I think the velocity was fine in the spring. Then it looked like he had some type of blister issue late, but it didn't cause him to miss the season uh, opener. He walked a ton of guys in that first game. Uh, he just hasn't been sharp, man. I think you really need to see him a game from him. And I know in DFS sometimes you have to kind of anticipate – but I don't see how you can feel confident in this guy. I mean, I know he's in Atlanta and in Texas, but he's gone six and two-thirds innings. He has 11 walks and six he's, strikeouts, he's, man. Until I see him, you know, pitch well, I, I'm staying away from him. All right, I do like Syndergaard tonight, but I'll give you another pitcher I like. Kikuchi against the Royals. I mean, the Royals are putting righties in there, but maybe Kikuchi finally uh, finds his stride tonight. Yeah, he's been hit or miss. Uh, we know he has good stuff, and... You know, you expect teams that don't see him to struggle. or That didn't happen last time out, but the Royals do strike out a lot. It's a favorable park. So, uh, yeah, I think he is in play. Would you stack Mariners against Heath Filthmeyer? Yeah, until they cool <laughs> off. I mean, this team is just on fire right now. Uh, you know, Vogelbach continues to hit, and they keep just finding a way to get him in there. Yesterday was Hanniger who sat the day before. It's Malik Smith. Jay Bruce homered again yesterday, so Volgabach, Encarnacion, Domingo Santana just continues to crush. Uh, it's a murderer's row, Ronis. This lineup is just uh, on fire right now, and I don't see any reason why it would stop today. All right, I know you despise this pitcher, but is he a good start tonight? Robbie Ray against the Rangers. I might like him. Look, the thing with Ray is he can go out there and dominate, and you know we have seen those outings. And then other outings, he just can't find the strike zone. So uh, I don't really like him in this spot tonight. I mean, he is kind of due for one of those, you know, dominant six-inning 12Ks. Uh, but there's too many walks, and I, I just see it too much. He, I hate watching him pitch, too, because he'll be cruising. And then all of a sudden, that fourth inning, he cannot find the strike zone. And he's all over the place. And when contact is made, it's very hard contact. So... Look, he to me, he's a tournament player. I would never use him in cash unless it's like against the Marlins or the Giants. And the Rangers have been pretty solid. I know Arizona's a minus 138 favorite today. Rangers haven't been as good on the road. But, uh, you know, they are going against Lance Lynn. So he could get run support. So more of a tournament play because uh, there's not a ton of great pitching on this slate once again either. Do you like David Peralta tonight? Yeah, against Lance Lynn, sure. I do, too. Yeah, me, too. All right, Milwaukee against the Angels. Brandon Woodruff against Felix Jalapena. I like Woodruff, but he hasn't been great. And Pena, is, is a, he's a good flyer for me, but not tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, the, my guess is uh, Mike Trout doesn't play. He left last night's game with a groin injury. Uh, they are listing him as day-to-day. -day. Uh, looks like no pending MRI. He hopes to return on Friday. Let's hope that's the case for people who have him in fantasy and season long and those who just like to watch the best player in baseball hit. So obviously that could help Woodruff a little bit if Trout's out of the lineup. Angels have been a little bit better lately. Uh, but if I'm picking one of the pitchers here, it would be Woodruff, but not high on the uh, radar tonight. Can Woodruff go six innings? Yeah, I think he can. Against this lineup, uh, it's going to be, you know, just getting Trout out of there is huge because that's a guy that you really have to be precise with. You throw more pitches. You know, he's been on fire. He's hitting over 400. You take him out of that lineup, and they have no Justin Upton, no Otani. I know Tommy Lastella, uh, a couple home runs yesterday, and I almost used him, and I said, nah, I can't. Uh, but, yeah. I, I used him we, last week at 2,100. He didn't do He didn't hit two home runs then, Ronis, when I yeah, needed him. That's what it's about, man, the, the, the timing and getting the guys right. But, yeah, I think Woodruff can't go six tonight. I do. All right, so we like Thor one, Kikuchi two, Woodruff three. Uh, I, I like Montas, too. You do? Mm-hmm. What do you like about Montas again? Or is it just that he's playing a crappy team? That, and he had a really good spring. He added a splitter, uh, and his strikeout-to-walk ratio in the spring was very good. He was excellent in his first start, the second start against Houston, because I picked him up before. I picked him up in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I think week one waiver wire, and I did not use him against Houston because I was worried about that matchup, but I do have him in the lineup this week. Uh you know, Dan Straley, I expect to get hammered in Baltimore. He's been a guy that's been prone to the home runs. I think the run support will be there. Once again, the A's are a good stack tonight. And uh, Baltimore is just not a strong offense. So uh, Montas with that splitter, I think he could have success tonight. So how about a Montas Kikuchi and fade Thor? Uh, you can do that. I mean, it's, it's a tough matchup here for Thor. I mean, I like this Twins lineup. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about it all year. And... Uh, even without Nelson Cruz, it's a good lineup. Max Kepler is getting hot. Uh, Polanco's on fire right now. Eddie Rosario's starting to swing the bat well. Williams' studio doesn't strike out. I think he struck out last night for the first time. Uh, Brimer and Buxton is, is hitting. So this is not an easy lineup. So, yeah, I, I don't think you have to play uh, Thor tonight. Yeah, I might not. So I'm looking at Kikuchi, Montas, Ray, and Woodruff. Thing about Ray is when he's good, Ray, man, he, you're right. He could be six innings, thirteen strikeout, Ray, or he could be four innings, eight runs. I hate my life, Ray. Yeah, I mean, even you know, he'll still get the strikeouts, which is why everyone's enamored with him. But I don't understand. I saw a lot of people like Ray this year for the price, but I, I don't understand it because the whip. Yeah, the strikeouts are great. You could say, well, if he throws one eighty, I'm going to get two hundred twenty strikeouts. Sure, but what is your whip going to be with that? What's your ERA going to be? And again, if I'm wrong at the end of the year i'll fully admit it but i just think he needs so many things to break right for him he, when he does allow contact it's hard contact and i just think he's a, a frustrating pitcher to own and yeah there'll, there'll be people who are excited like oh i love robbie ray when he has the 12 strikeouts over six innings and allows two earned runs i just don't think we get that enough from him consistently no that's true all right give me some give me some, give me a hitter or two tonight ronis i'm trying to think of uh who i like tonight who do you like tonight uh, I mean, I like a lot of the A's. I mean, Chris Davis, Matt Chapman. Yesterday I used Semyon and Pinder. Uh, that worked out. Uh, I think uh, Mariners bats. I mean, I know that's easy, but Haniger, Domingo, Encarnacion, Vogelbach, Bruce, depending on who's in the lineup. So, yeah, a lot of A's, Mariners, uh, Conforto, uh, Nimmo yeah, is cheap. Yeah. 
I like the Mets. I think the Mets are, are a good contrarian stack tonight because they think the A's are going to be very highly owned. I like Nimmo, Cano, Conforto. I like that one. Will they be low owned though? No. Okay. They will be compared to the A's and probably right. the Mariners. Right. Those two are very highly owned. I think the, the Phillies may be highly owned considering they're playing against Hellickson. So, you know, I never like to play the highest owned stacks. I always like to look for those stacks, on the secret stacks. Right, under the radar. Under the radar. I think it may be the Diamondbacks for me tonight. The little Jared Dyson Peralta against Lance Lynn. That guy's terrible. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, they could They could be the one. They don't have elite power hitters, though. I know. Christian Walker's not bad, but he's not elite. Right. Dude, Kettle Marte and Nick Ahmed are actually playing well this year. Yeah, Ahmed homered yesterday, uh, his first homer of the season. Marte's been excellent. He didn't have a good game yesterday, but he's been excellent. I don't know if you saw that labor, mixed labor is, is done for the year. They've called it nine one on us. Did you see that? Oh, did they? Well, I yeah. wish they would do that for the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational because <laughs> I'm first overall. Oh, really? Overall? Dude, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, but it's not going to last. I have Mike Clevenger, Alex Bregman, and Aaron Hicks. So, you know, that's why I wish they would end it today. But Yeah, I just got a text. The league is over. You won. Congratulations. You're yeah, that would, be, that would be great. <laughs> Could you imagine if that happened? All right, quickly, who's coming up in hour number two? We need a strike in the season today, like the AAF. Uh, we got uh, Matt Modica from The Athletic coming up at 3.20 p.m. All right, Modica's a great guy. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Be well and take care. Stay tuned for another hour of Scout Fantasy Sports with Adam Ronas, and we're back right after this.